Welcome to This Week in the State Line, where we talk with local people about the local topics that you care about. Well, good morning. Another day of talking about sweet stuff. I love it when Amy comes in. Amy Newell from the Ark of Ogle, Winnebago, and Boone Counties. And you bring in Fannie Mae, too. You know, I, I had to bring some in. We were there this Saturday uh, doing a fundraiser, so it, it just seemed right to bring you some. You are so nice. Well, so. I could be bribed to talk about the Chocoholic <laughs> Frolic. Oh, and they're in the shapes of hearts. They are. And I got you a couple extra so you could always give them to your wife if you need That's, to, you know, sweeten her up a little that bit. Is my Valentine's Day gift right there. Thank it's you. a start. Uh, <laughs> so tell me an update on the Chocoholic Frolic. Well, we're really excited. You know, the event this year is at Giovanni's and it's Thursday, uh, February 27th. So we're coming up quick. The VIP tickets are all sold out, which we're so thankful for the community for that support. And uh, so we've got general admission tickets, which are $50 each. And that gets you uh, the full run of the chocolate room um, starting at 630 until about 8 sometimes a little bit later than that, depending on when we get things wrapped up. Uh, we've got wine and beer pull. We've got some amazing beer this year from really all over the country. I was in Decorah, Iowa um, a couple weeks ago and picked up some um, Toppling Goliath that's not available here. Ah. Um, that's some of their um, small brew. I'm learning sure. all of these beer <laughs> lingos. Um, but we've got some great wine, of course, from all over the country as well. Some from Alaska, some from Kentucky, um, out in Colorado. Uh, it's really nice. As people are out traveling, they, they pick it up and bring it for us, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people can uh, make a donation and pick a number and get one of those. We've got silent auction, um, but the general admission, and then of course, 50 50. You don't have to be present to. You don't even have to come to the event to participate in the 50-50. You can buy those online. You can buy those over the phone. And that's just $5, and that gets you a chance to win half the pot. And right now, we're over $1,500. All right. So how do I get on that? What's the website? What oh, do I do? It's really easy. Just chalkfrock.com, C-H-O-C. F-R-O-C dot com. And, or you can call our office, you know, and talk to one of our bright, smiling faces, which is 815-965-3455. And you can get tickets either way as well. So the Chocoholic Frolic is a big event that is happening at Giovanni's. Yep. And it's different people making different creations with chocolate. Yes, we have um, between 20 and 24 vendors. And some of those vendors will bring multiple things, which is always fun. Because like Granite City comes and they always have one of their beers and then a sweet treat as well. Mm -hmm. So even though I'm going to say there's only 20 to 25 providers, you could have up to 50 to 75 items to sample depending on how many you want to try and sample. I can't even imagine trying to get around to everybody. So one of the nice things is when people um, check in for the night, we give them the program that has everybody listed and what those treats are so they can kind of lay out a game plan before the doors open uh, so that they can make sure if they want to get to Sugar Britches and have their lemon ganache dark chocolate truffle that they that they get that or if they want to make it over um to Granite City to have theirs or Wonderland Suites to have some of some of their um, I think they're making bonbons and um, 
Cookies by Design is bringing brownies this year. So, you know, it, it, you, it's nice to be able to get the lay of the land. And, of course, we're going to have your, our Build Your Own S'more Bar back. So. Oh, I love that. That was so much fun. Right? As, uh, yes. And I love that they put the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups on there. It was like, awesome. Like, what a fun little treat. <laughs> but, yeah, you get to roast your own little marshmallow. and So use your program for strategery and <laughs> making sure you get the right chocolates first. So. And be sure and visit the, the silent auction because we have some great items this year that we're really excited about. See, but there's a lot of ways to get involved. Have some fun. Again, the date for the Chalk Frock? Is February 27th. Tickets are not sold at the door, so you need to be sure and get those ahead of time. And you told me the VIPs are sold out already. Absolutely sold out, but um, general admission tickets are still available. At least right now they are. Um, we, uh, you know, we're always hopeful that those sell out too, but um, at this point there are some of those uh, still available. And you get those where again? Either calling our office, or which is 815-965-3455 or you can go online at chalkfrock.com which is C-H-O-C-F-R-O-C dot com. So we're having all this fun eating all this chocolate and it helps out the Ark of Ogle, Winnebago, and Boone Counties. And yep. for those who don't know what the Ark is... Yes, absolutely. So the ARC is a local not-for-profit organization that was started in the late 60s by a group of parent advocates who had uh, children that were born with either an intellectual or a developmental disability. And, you know, at that time, um, the doctors really told families to leave their kids at home or leave their kids at the hospital and to step away, just go live their lives without them. And the 60s were really a time of change, as most people know. And families were saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I want my child with a diagnosis to have the same life opportunities as my children without diagnosis. And so they were bringing them home. That was when we saw the integration in the schools. And the ARC was really birthed out of that all over the country. And um, it was those families coming together originally as a support system for each other and really trying to make sure that everybody stayed connected with what services were available. And, you know, we've really tried to stick with that and continue to offer um, advocacy and support to families and individuals with the diagnosis um, in whatever way they might need. And so that might look like an art class that mm-hmm. we partner with the Rockford Park District Therapeutic Art Rec Program for. Might be our beadware group on Monday afternoon because they want to come and socialize. Might be um, coming to our rec nights, which are every other month at First Second Church. Um, they have this beautiful gym down there that uh, the Park District actually comes in and DJs for us. And <laughs> um, we set up games and, and art activities. And, you know, everybody just comes and hangs out and and it's really just a fun fun night it it could look like our book club that meets every other monday at either katie's cup or panera bread out on 173 where you want to learn and read or be part of the group even if you don't want to read you can come again have a social opportunity it's one of those things where you look at um what everybody wants to do yeah, we may not want to work, but most of us have to work. That's true. And uh, so we want to have, make sure that um, if we can connect people with work opportunities, they have that. But really, it's about the social stuff. We want to make sure that they have opportunity to meet with their peers, see their peers, but really in an integrated way. We don't want it to just be a segregated opportunity for people to be involved. It's really about having people with disabilities be in the community 
and be part of the community in which they live. And that's why we're so lucky to have the ARC in our areas. Uh, I didn't really, I just, I, I maybe knew, but I just, you forget the backstory yeah. on how it was. And yeah. so that's how important the ARC is now for these counties. Well, and when you really think about it, the Americans with Disability Act was only signed into law in the 90s. In the 1990s, you figure it was in our lifetime that people were allowed to be discriminated against because of a disability. People are still discriminated against because they have a disability, even though there's a law. But that law was only signed into effect in the 90s. And that's huge to think that there's still people and businesses in this day and age that don't think that they have to serve people with a disability. That they don't have to make their services available for people with disabilities. That they don't have to employ people with disabilities. You know, there's there's all of these layers that you forget about. That um, people with a diagnosis add such a... um, a layer of energy to an office, to a business, to just the commitment that they bring um, to employment is huge. And so it's one of those areas that we want to be sure um, to keep people integrated, to keep people in the public eye so that it's not um, the rarity when somebody sees somebody with a disability in public and they maybe take a look or are taken aback, but that it just is mainstream. And that's really what school has become for, for, you know, the generation now. I think of my kids who are in high school who have their whole life children, their peers with disabilities have been part of their school system. They don't question it. They expect it. They expect people with disabilities to be at the mall. They expect yeah. them to be at the hockey games. They expect them to be everywhere that they are. And um, when they see people with a diagnosis being treated inappropriately, they're champions for that. And I think that's huge because they're used to it. Time has changed. You know, time has changed. And we got a ways to go, <laughs> but we've come a long way. Thank goodness we have the Ark. Now, if you are wondering, is that the place down on State Street over down there by the Wendy's? No, that building was destroyed and it's leveled, right? So It is. And, you know, they tell me now that because we've been in our new space more than a year, I can't say our new building anymore. It's still new to me. It's still new to me, too. But, uh, yep, in October of 2018, we sold that building and the new owners um, opted to level it. It is. It does make for a nice line of sight there. But, uh, but we're now out at 2820 McFarland Road. We share a building with the Boy Scouts. And so we are between Meyer and Woodman. Um, And it's just a beautiful space. If people haven't been out there or if they're wondering about it, we love to have people come and just ask for a tour so that we can show them around. Our art space is just huge. And Jane has such a wonderful um, opportunity there for individuals to really move around and, and really experience the art. And we're looking forward to some summer activities for our art, for our artists to, to get outside. We've got a beautiful space in the back that, uh, we can actually move everybody outside and have them enjoy that. We also just got a grant from the Arts Council to do a couple um, special art programs this summer. So we're really excited sure. about those opportunities. And I want to ask you, are you still selling the necklaces and all the artwork and such like that still? We are, which makes for wonderful Valentine's gifts. So if you want to come get chalk frock tickets and a little piece of jewelry, or uh, we have 
we call them Christmas ornaments, but really I use them as a little decoration on a wine bag ah. and they just look adorable. So, you know, if you wanted to get your sweetie a, ba- uh, a bag of wine, no, not a bag of wine, <laughs> a bottle of wine and, you know, put one of these little charms on there, a couple um, chocoholic frolic tickets. What a wonderful gift. Right? Oh, Anybody would love out. to give that. All planned out. And the artwork is so unique. You're not going to find this in, in a big box store or anything. So if you're looking for some creative art, you will find it at the Ark. Absolutely. And, you know, we're really, we've got some beautiful things hung up from fall art scenes still. Um, one of the things the Boy Scouts allowed us to do is really turn that lower level where the scout shop is. Mm-hmm. We turned all of the hallways into art studio space. And so we've got just some really unique pieces from from our skills classes, they did some neat, um, like animal prints. I'm gonna say, um, and then uh, some geometric. Oh my gosh, it's really just amazing the the different things that they do. And um, Jane's already making some plans for spring art scene to really. Uh, change the look of that whole space again so uh yes everything's for sale we you know it's all for sale so please come buy some uh artwork and support the arc we would love that all right again so where is the address for the arc again 2820 mcfarland road and that is again between myers and woodman all right so you will take the money from the artwork and the jewelry that's sold and use it for the programs such as you are with the chalk frock tickets the chocoholic frolic which is coming up uh in february it it is february already it's It's hard to believe yes yeah it'll be here before we know it so this month is is the frolic and there's still plenty of time to get tickets uh before the event but even before valentine's day You've That's got right. a few days here before uh, you have to uh, have something for your sweetie, and we're more than happy to help that out. And you're uh, getting in the bag to have some Fannie Mae candy. Yes, I am. <laughs> it goes well with coffee. It, it uh, Chocolate and coffee are a nice pair. It is. It is. I love it. Amy, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, the ARC, Ogle, Winnebago, and Boone County. Support them today. Back with more in a moment. It's important to buckle up your kids. I know. Sometimes car seats can be complicated. I know. And if your child's in the wrong seat and you get into a crash. I know. It could lead to a serious injury. I know. So you're 100% sure you have the right car seat for your child's age and size? I don't know. Don't think you know. Know you know. Car crashes are a leading killer of children 1 to 13. Make sure you have the right car seat. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And good morning. This weekend, the state line rolls on. I am Steve Summers, your host. Today, being joined by Mike Turner from the Woodstock area, Woodstock City Council member and Deputy Mayor of the City of Woodstock, which is 45 minutes-ish to the east of Rockford. Well, good morning. How are you, Mike? Good morning. How are you? Well, we invited you in because, obviously, Woodstock is the center point for Groundhog Day, the movie, and now the Gladiator Jeep commercial. Yes. Seems to be the epicenter for new those. New claim to fame. <laughs> so 28 years ago, everything changed for Woodstock back in 1992 when Bill Murray and the crew chose Woodstock for the movie Groundhog's Day. That's correct. Which... Being a Woodstock resident myself, went to Woodstock High School to see the Opera House turned into a hotel and to see all these different changes. Hollywood style was truly remarkable. And uh, now it's turned into a Jeep commercial. But the thing about the Jeep commercial that we saw during the Super Bowl, it was all hush-hush. It was. Did you know? So uh, one week before the filming. So the filming occurred um, 
two Saturdays before the Super Bowl, so about eight days before. Uh, the week before that, I found out that they were doing the filming for the commercial, but did not find out that Bill Murray was going to be there and in the commercial until uh, the day before shooting. And so they shot it. They shot it that weekend before, and uh, they put it together. And man, they apparently have done a great job because it's gotten <laughs> tremendous recognition and uh, has really lived on. And the fact that uh, Bill Murray doesn't really like to do TV commercials speaks volumes that he must have loved and had a good time in Wichita because it was based back there. It was. And I think that um, so there's there's some uh, interesting articles and, and feedback on how it came to how Bill Murray came to be in the commercial, that the process of the ad people at Jeep trying to get a hold of him was not necessarily the easiest because he's, uh, you know, he kind of distanced himself uh, from doing anything like that. But they enticed him to come back. And uh, we're awfully glad that he did. And he did did appear to have a very good time uh he was uh he i've seen some selfies and pictures with friends of mine within the city of woodstock that occurred that day and he was even in some of our shops uh shopping uh the day of the shooting and the fact that mother nature added a touch of snow just made it even more realistic i it, think it really did i mean they they didn't have to recreate that that was that was uh that was a quite a coming together of everything at the same time, and the snow really added to it, and they didn't have to do that. So I think that probably really uh, further enhanced uh, the realism of it and what they probably wanted. And to see the original stars from Groundhog's Day back on the square of Woodstock doing their roles as well. That's quite the undertaking when you think of it. It is. Brian Dole Murray was back, and uh, Stephen Tobolewski, who played Ned Ryerson, uh, were, were both back, and that was that added to the realism of the commercial, and uh, I think, uh, you know, it was a great uh, a great part of the script. So, And Stephen Tobolewski has been back a few times in Woodstock at some events uh, that commemorate Groundhog Day, so uh, we always enjoy it when he returns, and uh, it was great to have the whole, you know, the a bigger group of the cast there this time. We are talking to Mike Turner the Woodstock City Council member and Deputy Mayor for Woodstock about not only the Gladiator Jeep commercial that was filmed recently in Woodstock, but also about uh, the fact that Woodstock holds on to their groundhog tradition every single year since the movie. We do. It's been going since uh, it really started in uh, 1995 was the first time that we did a celebration around it. And it was uh, it was the idea of a gentleman named Mike Palmquist, who's unfortunately deceased, but I knew Mike um, and a, a great guy, and then former Mayor Bill Anderson. Uh, they created a, a commemorative celebration breakfast. That was the beginning of the process. And man, it has grown from there. And we have a, a Groundhog Day committee uh, that has folks that have been doing it for a decade or even longer. And there's, there's some of these long serving members, they rotate the chairmanship each year, but a shout out has to go out to Rick Belairs, Pam Morehouse, Craig Crandall, Maggie Crane. They're all, those are all members of the community that, um, have taken a leadership role in our Groundhog Day committee and they help make the whole thing happen. Just amazing. And Rick Belairs was the gentleman that got me started in radio oh, yes. many, many years ago. Yep. So everything is full circle. You talk about the perfect storm for the commercial. It's kind of the same way I feel having you in here today. The the fact that the commercial and everything has just grown so much for Groundhog's Day. Now, like when the Weather Channel talks about Punxsutawney Phil, they actually do include the other groundhogs now it's yeah. just grown so immensely it has and i think the you know the the nature of the movie um and the popularity of the movie uh and the longevity of the movie <laughs> i think has helped to uh to make that happen that the the movie itself the scenes in woodstock 
um, you know, and the way that people view it, it's, you know, again, it's kind of the Harold Ramis uh, 19, you know, it's an extension of the 1980 movies that uh, 80s movies that uh, that Harold Ramis did. And I think it's it's entered that cult uh, cult level, although Groundhog Day is different than some of the other things he did. It's a bit more introspective um, and there's good messages and themes to it in addition to being funny. Do you find a lot of people, a lot of tourists come to find the the arch at the very end of the movie where Bill Murray skips and dances down the street and the courthouse everything you see yeah i mean there's uh, definitely i mean it's it's not just that weekend uh, we get people that come there um all the time and so they like walking around the square and the gazebo which is where a variety of the of the scenes were shot uh, wayne's lanes is a, you know it's a bowling alley in town that's that's a tremendous kind of um historical setting and they had you know they had seen there then the the um the bed and breakfast um the exterior that they shoot is a real bed and breakfast called the cherry tree inn that uh, actually was recently purchased and renovated about four or five years ago uh by george and Lori melrecki they've done a fantastic job people seek that out on that street and so all and then definitely the um the drink to world peace um occurred at the uh, bar at the woodstock public house which is in the old courthouse in downtown woodstock on the square it's plaqued on the side of the wall and uh, people come there all the time and take pictures of that in addition to having a cocktail it's crazy it's such a, a gem of a city and it's just 45 <laughs> minutes to the east of downtown rockford so you should try checking out woodstock the square and um, all the elements that it comes with it so we're talking to mike turner the deputy mayor of woodstock now that i have you here we've pretty much talked about the groundhogs day but you know there's 364 or five days rest of the year um rich with arts and culture I noticed that at Christmas time, the square is now becoming a focal point for the town, which is absolutely gorgeous. We've added new high schools. Where do you see Woodstock growing now? Where's yeah. the growth coming? So from? great question. So the you know the last uh, coming out of the uh, the recession from eight nine years ago, you know we were challenged along with the rest of the country and the rest of the state of Illinois to find reasons and ways to help us help us grow. Our council, led by our mayor, Brian Sager, has done a great job of, um, you know, keeping our fiscal house in order and and working to promote growth. And so we do that, um, you know, in, in there's one element in particular that I'm proud of is that we do that through a, a, a marketing and awareness and tourism campaign called Real Woodstock. So realwoodstock.com is a really nice professionally branded website and, a th- and um, it offers a link to all things Woodstock for those 364 days, other days during the year, which includes our Victorian Christmas and lighting of the square, which occurs on the Friday after Thanksgiving each year, which is a tremendous event. gets gets three, four, five thousand people there to uh, to see the lights in the square get turned on, and then all throughout Christmas, folks, it's a great tourist destination and shopping destination for people to come out. We are right on the train line for folks coming out of uh, Chicago, and as you mentioned, we're very close to folks here in uh, the Rockford Rockford area in southern Wisconsin area. So it's there's lots of things going on. Great great food scene. Great um, great night uh, nightlife scene as well we've got tr- some tremendous uh, uh venues for um for music uh including um a place called nico's red mill which has outdoor concerts and and nico will get including some national acts but also some great weekend acts um and definitely worth mentioning because it's quite the destination for for folks and then we have fests that occur on benton street so we'll close benton street and shamrock is one that's coming up on march 17th which is uh um, it's not on the 17th but the weekend around that Mm -hmm. that is uh you know that's a celebration of uh of saint patrick's day and then events on the square car show and other things uh, like that that. huge it is big many things about and it's it's 
it's it's a god what a great setting it's in it's in uh, august typically each year and it's uh, you know it's a great to see those cars and to walk around the square uh and then the opera house itself the woodstock opera house uh is a tremendous venue historical venue and it's not an opera it's not for opera it's for concerts it's for plays there's theater companies that are based there and uh, you can link to all that at realwoodstock.com to see what's going on but the opera house is a tremendous old building and a great great venue for people to come and see i actually performed in youth theater there oh you did okay and uh, west side story many many years ago that's good not the original west side story but many years ago (laughs) so uh, the, the uniqueness of woodstock the square since it is the focal point of real woodstock and by the way you can follow along at realwoodstock.com, their website. But the cobblestones that are in the square, those mm-hmm. are original cobblestones, correct? The, I mean, well, they, they they are. So we have, we do have to, we have maintenance on those and do have to replace them. So I don't, I can't say that there's any that have been there for, you know, 100 plus years. However, when you can't tell the ones that, ones that were replaced, because we do it with, you know, historical accuracy. Uh, obviously, it costs more than if we just paved the thing, but it would lose a tremendous amount of the historical significance and charms. So the city commits to uh, maintaining that because it's a great part of the look. I noticed the city also commits to the uh, the heritage of the city. They don't want to ex- necessarily expand to high tech and, and new. They like that heritage. They want to embrace that. So we do embrace. We embrace the historical nature of who we are as, as a city while looking to, you know, to enhance things to, uh, you know, to help us to grow and to change with the time. So as you look at the downtown square, we have a, a commitment to preservation around the, around the square and in that historic district, including the Historical Preservation Commission that, that helps us manage it from a city perspective. That's not to say there aren't high-tech things that can and do occur downtown. They definitely do. Um, and so uh, we've, had a, we've got a brand new business that just relocated there called Turnkey Digital uh, that is definitely a tech company but located in a historical building. That's the things we try to capture. Then as it relates to the rest of the city, look, we're on a corridor of two state highways. We're on the metro t- train line. We have industry and always look for opportunities, you know, in manufacturing, high tech, service, whatever it might be within those commercial areas in the city. So we're working to, to grow Woodstock. And to piggyback on the top of the technology, I believe right by the train station, there's a, uh, a space university or something right so, yeah, the, the bowling alley. Yeah, so the Challenger Center was Challenger a really Center. nice addition. Um, um, it's been over a decade, I'm sure. I don't know the exact number. But so the Challenger Center creates an environment for students to come in and recreate a, a, a space shuttle launch. And so that was um, a tremendous creation and ran uh, had a long run in a building right off the, the square. They've actually since moved that to a partnership with Woodstock District 200 Schools, and that's now actually located at uh, Olson Elementary School, uh, with, which is just is nearby as well. And then the Challenger Building has become part of uh, Aurora University, which is part of our expansion. Aurora uh, has, has a Woodstock campus and offers great programs to the region and is looking to grow as well. And I think that what you'll find, what we're working toward is, is some additional development and enhancement of the Challenger site and some others. There are open, there are open areas of downtown Woodstock that were actively seeking development on um, not tearing down old buildings but bringing bringing uh, new ones to uh, to the square that uh, infill and create new residential and business opportunities so mike with the final few minutes that we have here tell us a little bit about the future for woodstock what are you without giving away any secrets or information you can't uh, new things that are planned where are we going yeah so one of the things that we've been doing in in economic development uh, a big one is that we passed um, a a new tiff 
all right, a tax increment uh, financing district. And without getting too technical, what TIFs do is they allow the city to make investments in infrastructure and to assist developers. It's not a giveaway to the developer, but it is an assistance that can attract people and show that we're looking to to grow a certain area of town. And you can you can delineate that and create boundaries for the TIF, um, and it's areas where f- folks can come in and invest and grow for commercial, residential. And so we do that both in the downtown area and then extending up and down Highway 47 primarily, which is an industrial and retail corridor for us. The, the point is, is that we are, as a council and as a city, looking to to grow our town in a smart, intelligent way, but to bring jobs, bring increased economic activity, and to do so in a way that retains the charm of who we are, but bring continues to bring us along that path of growth so that our folks who live there, you know, and people that move there, you know, that becomes a continues to be a very high quality place to live and to visit. And one of the first steps, I think, was the new high school as well. That was part of that area, too. It was. So the new high school, I think, opened mid, it was mid last decade. So, oh, four, oh, five, oh, six, somewhere in that time period. And that was, uh, you know, that was the community at that time, pre recession. Uh, committing to saying, look, we, we see growth, we want growth, we want to maintain and invest in our education system. D200 is a fantastic uh, local school district. Um, you know, they have done a tremendous job, get great test scores and do a, a very good job of meeting the various needs of students within the the community. The high school is an example of that. And another one that's unique to Woodstock is that we have a dual language program that is uh, that is highly acclaimed, uh, both in the state and nationally, that um, tracks students who choose to in both an English and a Spanish uh, track that begins in early elementary school, kindergarten, first grade. Wow. And and uh, the first people that, who participated in that are actually starting to graduate high school. And they, they exit there with an understanding of not just the language and culture, but also a bilingual capability. And uh, that is, that's unique among school systems, is to have one this developed and to be this successful. So we're very proud of it. Very proud to have you here as well. Mike Turner, the uh, Deputy Mayor and Woodstock City Council Member for Woodstock. Again, realwoodstock.com is the website to go to. Uh, just like our conversation, it starts with a groundhog and it ends on high-tech and developments. And it's just, it's it's crazy what one movie, even one commercial, can do for an area. Yeah, Just put, it, put the spotlight put on. Put us on the map, and we'll uh, we'll build from there. <laughs> Thank you for coming in today. My pleasure. Thank That's you. Been this week and the State Line. Thanks for listening. Join us next Sunday morning at 6 for another edition of This Week in the State Line 